You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Performing for Her Majesty, learning from mom, and theater, museum or laboratory. Hi everyone, I'm your host Sean Chandler and you're listening to Your Program Is Your Ticket, a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. Today's guests are company director Christopher Poach and artistic director Jonathan Moltz of Artless Theater Company, a UK-based professional theater company intent on defying the negative stereotypes of Christian theater to communicate the good news without being cliched, safe, tame, or predictable. Directors Poach and Maltz are part of my Theater is for Everyone series, where I'm interviewing theater artists outside of the major locales and influences to give them a chance to be heard, discuss their triumphs, challenges, and misconceptions. Artless Theater Company has written, directed, performed, and toured multiple theater productions with the major honor of writing and performing a sketch for Scripture Union's 150th anniversary celebration in front of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Directors Chris and John have been creating theater together since secondary school drama lessons. After school, John went on to study drama and theater studies, leaving with a master's degree and the University of Kent Technical Excellence Award. While post-university, Chris began in ministry work with Scripture Union. Now, please keep in mind that our interviews are recorded at different times to optimize schedules, just in case the audio sounds different. I'm excited, so let's bring them on. Hi, Chris and John, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket. Hello, it's good to be here. Hi. Thanks for having Hello. us. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited that you uh, you responded to my email and you're you're doing the show. This is really, really cool. How are things in the United Kingdom? You know, we, we're so united right now, you know. <laughs> COVID has made us all just get along with each other, our politicians. It's a, a fantastic and happy place now. Like anywhere in the world, we have our, um, our gloomy days. But actually, as I look out the window, it's a blue sky. It's near the end of the day. We've done some good work today, and I feel I feel very chipper. Yeah, we've just got through the Omicron wave. Well, hopefully, it seems yeah. to be on the downward spiral. I got maybe the Omicron, I don't know, but last week I did have COVID uh, last week, which was uh, interesting, you know. Um, felt awful for two days, but I'm, I've recovered and feeling fine, thank God. And uh, but yeah, it's 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 a lovely sunny day here. Know, if you can believe that, or not. I, I, it's not going to be warm, but it's sunny. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you, thank you. And uh, it was such. Was, oh, sorry. It was. I was just going to say it was um, great getting your email. You know. It, uh, We've not done an international uh, podcast yet, so this is a first for us. So, yeah, th- thanks for reaching out. Of course, it was my pleasure. Um, I will say this. I reached out to 
probably about seven or eight different companies that uh, are have a, a religious affiliation to get to get that perspective. And you were the only ones who responded. Um, I interviewed um, Dr. Nathan Albert from my mm. previous previous podcast, number one hundred and five, and he he was set up for me by one of our people at Broadway Podcast Network. So I appreciate that you you were open to this and I'm very excited to hear your perspective and thoughts and feelings and hear about what you're doing as well. Oh, that's great. We, I mean, the organization's pretty small. Uh, Chris and I are the two employed um, members of the company and uh, we, we like to, to check our emails and we know what, we try and respond to every single one of them. So it's, it's, I'm so glad you reached out and it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my pleasure entirely. Um, let's start by having you introduce yourselves and uh, tell us about your backgrounds and uh, tell us about Artless Theatre Company. That's great. Um, Chris, I'll let you go first. Well, yeah, well, uh, I'm Chris. I'm the company director of Artless. Um, I'm, you know, 29 years old, knocking on that door of 30. Uh, <laughs> it's getting me a bit nervous. Um, but uh, yeah, we... Me and John have known each other um, for a really long time. Uh, we've known each other since school. So we kind of grew up together in, at school and uh, we were in the same drama class. And uh, I think we hit it off quite soon. Into- I think we were about 15 years old. I think we were, I think walking out of a, a drama class and I think we both enjoyed the similar sort of style of comedy and we were having a, a discussion about that. And yeah, I think it just sort of spiraled from there. And uh, yeah. 15 years later, we're still having that conversation. Yeah. And so we, um, after school, um, we went our separate ways as you do. Um, I went on to study history, believe it or not. Um, I mean, I, I really love obviously drama and theater, but I had in my mind, I was like, Oh, if I go to do this at, at university, I'm making, you know, this my life, you know, am I going to make a living, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you're setting, you're setting me up here because I did go and do drama theater studies at university. <laughs> yeah, you didn't care. Um, I had reckless abandon. I knew this was, this is, I was a bit by the bug too yeah. young and I knew this was me. Well, cause I'd, I'd, um, my other passion obviously was history. And so I thought, well, that's a bit of a safer bet. You know, that's, you know, not, I'm sure I can get a job. Yeah, I'm sure. I... <laughs> history. Yeah. Because we know a lot of full-time historians. out there. <laughs> There's a few, you know, um, probably more secure than, you know, uh, theater, but, but funnily enough, here you find me, you know, um, running a theater company. <laughs> so it's funny how life works. Um, um so yes, yeah, no, uh, you, John. my name is John Maltz and I'm the artistic director of Artless Theatre Company. Um, I, my background is, uh, is an interesting background in terms of my lineage. My mother's side of my family, uh, were German and my dad's side are East End Jews and Eastern European uh, immigrants to England. So a very, uh, interesting dichotomy growing up, but a fantastic flavor of life. Uh, and so I was surrounded as a young person, you know, around the Jewish festivals and, and doing Purim plays and things like that. Um, but my family uh, were so um, a Messianic Jews. So Jews for Jesus, as you probably know, in New York, got an interesting reputation. Um, I'm not sure what they're like in the US. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's my background. And so, like Chris mentioned, we went to school together and I went to do drama and theatre studies at University of Kent in 
uh, Kent in the United Kingdom, and I specialised in contemporary performance practice. So my interest in background in theatre is, is is more on the sort of avant-garde side, performance art side. Um, but yeah, as we've worked together, we've found a, a very interesting middle ground and a, and a marriage of of sorts. And um, that's yeah, where it takes us up to today. We we became an established charity in 2017 as Artless, and, and have been slowly building up our repertoire of plays. We write our own stuff. Um, we tour that around the country, but also we were open to loads of different sorts of projects. So we've done some radio projects and we did an interactive children's piece of theater with our local council two, oh, two Christmases ago, 2019, just before yeah. the dreaded COVID. We, uh, yeah, we were able to do some interactive storytelling experiences and, and immersive, um, promenade style things with, with children. So we've, we've done, we've done quite a range of things, um, yeah. which I think is, I think testament to our taste, but also the sort of theatre we're, we're, we want to make. We're, we're still landing on it. But um, as you alluded to, Sean, we're, we're both Christians, and that's something which is absolutely integral to our lives. Um, I became a Christian around age 16, um, and and my life's been on a journey since then. Um, and I'm not sure whether people listening, you know, what your experience of Christianity is or what how different it is in the US. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 been a, an amazing journey for me personally, and I've seen my life change in loads of different ways I never thought it would. So um, I'm uh, yeah, very, an open book and love chatting about that. And that's something which has just influenced the work we make. And I think when we sat together after university and, and decided to make Artless a thing, we had at the core of it that faith that drives it. And I think that's just because we, we've experienced such amazing things in our lives that we, wanna, we want to open it up for other people. We want people to have an experience of Christianity beyond what they may have experienced in the past or may have perceptions of which are negative or have had bad experiences of. We want to, we want to bring it back to a, a, a universal route and something which is, can be of value and of um, goodness for everyone. Um, so that is, a, that is a long and short way of giving our backgrounds and sort of where we arrived to today. It's been a um, long journey, you know, ever since that. Um, I think we met in a, a coffee cafe shop. Nero, a coffee shop yeah. uh, in central London. And uh, I was working in um, kind of banking finance in central London. I didn't, I, well, yeah, I didn't become a history teacher. Did I was going to say you were a <laughs> resident historian. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and um, I really didn't like that. I kind of wanted to get out. Um, obviously, we had good friends. We were still in contact and, and whatnot. And uh, I remember us meeting up and being like, you know what? If we want to do this, let's just go for it you know and this is the time uh we'll give it a shot we'll see what happens and yeah and it's just been a it's not been all you know easy um but uh yeah it's certainly been a, a journey it's been fun it's been challenging um but yeah we love what we do excellent uh talk about your production process now you said that you write all your own shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you ever work with material outside of your own? Do you ever bring in uh, writers from the outside and or, or or ask for submissions, or are you selective about that? So, in terms of what we've done so far in our longer um, longer running tours and larger scale productions, those have generally been written by Chris and myself. 
Um, and yeah, those are more the, the more dramatic pieces. When we've done sort of smaller scale comedic things or, or, or written sketches or like cabaret style things, we've 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 collaborated with people. There's more in the early days, um, but now where we would write and tour something nationally. So the last three or four productions have been written by us, um, but in but inspired by source texts. So um, Tour With God, which we started in 2018, was an adaptation of a uh, book, a biography of a World War I chaplain. So a Christian um, vicar who was sent to the trenches uh, in the First World War. And it, it was an adaptation of the, the, the story of his life written by his grandson, um, he's actually related to Ralph Fiennes, <laughs> which oh. is very unusual. We went, we met with him to discuss the a- adaptation. He said, "Oh yeah, my cousin's in the industry. Uh, he's uh, Ralph Fiennes." <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, well, <laughs> that was a bit starstruck." Um, but yeah, so we we adapted uh, that, and and particularly where our work is inspired by uh, the Bible, that is, we use as a source text as well. Um, but generally, we we are quite biographical in our work. So the last two productions have been um, telling the story of, of someone else, um, and yeah, and, and that's been how we work. But our process begins at that conception. But in terms of because we're such a in a small scale, and we 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 do create the work and produce the work. And in terms of my, my skill set, and I'm, I'm really passionate about sound design and, and um, we've got a lighting designer who we work with um, Charlie, who's sort of the third guy of Artless. And we, we, we really work ideas through in the writing process. So, you know, like a, it's a very collaborative and um, uh, it's all done at the same time, you know. We, we're developing as we're going, and the writing is is influenced by the the technical things that we decide whether we're going to use projection sound, this, that. It will then influence what we do on the writing floor. So it's it's a it's a process um, of of you know shaping which we yeah. go through. And we have always just from the beginning, before even forming Artless, we we just love writing um from an early age really you know we were writing in uh sixth form so when you're around how old are you 17 18 you know around then we were writing stuff so it's kind of second nature to to us to to write our own stuff and put our own stuff on and i always say to any actors that that we work with or get in or or just younger people that might be you know looking to get into the industry i would say give writing a go you know like you don't have to write massive plays or anything, but, you know, just give it a go and uh, how that will influence your performances in the future, how you read other people's scripts and stuff. It's always good to just give it a go, you know, have a go at writing. And, uh, yeah, and that's kind of what we did. And um, I don't know, just, yeah, I love writing. You know, I love doing actually, own. the last few years, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the primary script writer, but we, while while COVID was going on, we... Um, we got masterclass subscriptions, you know, shout out to masterclass. Um, and David Mamet's playwriting course was really, it very, has been very influential to us and, and his, I mean, he's what, what a prolific writer, but some of those, um, the craft, I don't think I'd really understood the the craft of script writing. And I think uh, that's something which has developed in us as, as storytellers, really, because as I mentioned before, my background is more of that um, performance side rather than, uh, some more traditional theatre styles. So 
it's been a, it's been a, that curve of developing our voice and working on what is the end product that we want to take out there. I think, I think I'd take on more that role of the dramaturg of, of understanding the whole um, feel and the, and the, the sense of a show. And I, I think we are very invested in the environment of the final piece. And I think we, always want people to be transported no matter i mean our audiences are not not just christians or non-christians anyone's welcome anyone's um invited to, to see our productions and we want we want people to be transported we want people to be uh, placed in a world because uh, theater is that liminal space you know it's not the everyday it's a special time and it's a safe time for people to to step out of their own shoes and to to either in, inhabit the story of someone else or to experience something or, un, or explore ideas that they may have not explored before um, in a safe place. And that's always in our mind as we write and produce. We want, we want it to be something that we would enjoy watching <laughs> and something that we would not be bored by because that is just the cardinal sin of theatre just being boring. We just don't want, we don't want people to be bored. Mm. And I've been bored too many times that I've been at the theatre. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so, I, yeah. I think we were limited by, as well, by the material that was, that is out there somewhat. Um, and I, because I, I, so in for, terms of Christian based, in terms of, yeah, Christian based yeah. kind of performance and skits and things like that. So when I was younger, um, my mum used to run like the church drama group um that I was a part of and I remember that was even a big kind of problem for her because they would you know there'd be sketchbooks and stuff but a lot of them would just not be very good you know and and she then started writing her own stuff and I think that just then has you know fed into um my life and and just how we approach it really and it allows us to um yeah really have control of kind of um, what we're doing and where we want to take artless and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think really the main thing is just that I find the joy in, in writing these, these plays and doing that. I mean, we're open to outside material and, um, and if anyone wants to submit a, a play, <laughs> they, you know, we have they, had that you know, a few times. <laughs> yeah, we have had that a few times. Give them a um, so, um, yeah. We're open to it, but but that's kind of how we how we work how at the moment, work. and and that has changed and it will change because we're learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I myself am a writer, and I enter a lot of festivals and competitions. And from what I can see, it feels like um, film and TV are a little bit more open to having their their festivals and their competitions be uh, thematic towards religion a lot of them that but i don't see many many plays or, or theater companies doing that and I, I i wonder why that is yeah i mean i, I i'm not 100 percent you know uh i don't know the uh, the u.s and how the climate of uh, theater is over there i i read and i see but i don't know it because i'm not there uh, in the uk we're part of maybe a handful six or seven mm. professional christian theater companies and i'd say it is similar here there's um there's not a great gear towards it where you'd see a lot of other art forms be quite embracing of of um people of faith or, or christians particularly creating work i think I think theatre 
it's, it's such a subjective thing, really, in terms of people's tastes and people's experiences or expectations of it. Um, I mean, in the UK, probably the most popular theatre, apart from musicals, um, the pr- most popular uh, form is probably pantomime, um, being a, a big seasonal event for, for people in the UK to go and visit. And maybe the only time in the year they go to the theatre. Yeah. Um, so I've never seen a Christian pantomime, but you've been in one, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I have been in three, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they were, they I've were... not seen them, so I can't judge. Um, no, they were good, you know. But I, yeah, I think I think there's um, yeah in 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 the cl- the climate of, of of political works, I think Christianity or or religion does fit in really well. But maybe there just aren't people. Maybe it just doesn't sell tickets. I don't know. I think maybe people are a bit afraid of just going there. You know, maybe not sure what they uh, might hear. Yeah, um, and also I think one of the biggest things is I think people think it's going to be amateur. You know, it's not going to be any good. And so, you know, why am I going to go and watch something that's just, yeah, amateur and a bit rubbish, really? And hopefully that's something that we've set at our core is that we want to change those stereotypes and mm. show, you know, this isn't, um, but hopefully people come and think that's not, you know, amateurish and, and boring and they feel entertained, um, you know, challenge in our thinking. Um, you know, we don't try to thrust our, our views on people but we want uh i think we want to show an expression of mm. of our faith and and who we think you know god is mm. and and that's up to the audience to how they receive that but i just think yeah maybe producers just don't really want to um touch that you know they think maybe it's a poison chalice yeah maybe it's well, not I, I, think, it. I think theater is you know in its in its sort of core is very anti-establishment and i think there's a uh the tradition of that and being there and you know what's a bigger establishment particularly in this country than the church of england or the church is quite a um people have grown up around the the iconography and the you know the the western christian lexicon you know every everything is influenced by um the the church in you know in inverted commas um, I think where our expression of faith is is really detached from that modern expression of Christianity. But you know, I'm, I can speak for myself. My my expression of Christianity, my understanding of Christianity, is is more linked to the first century, <laughs> you know, Middle East and the, the Jewish Jesus. You know, this idea of who was this who was this man that historically existed, and what do his words have to influence on me today. Um, I think that the the church is. Uh, is a well is a is a well known thing a well established thing christianity isn't a new idea isn't isn't going anywhere i think people um i think there's probably a perception that that's old fashioned that's that's old hat that's archaic we've done theater on that you know we've 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 heard the stories of c.s lewis and J.R.R. tolkien we know the allegories we know you know christ as a symbol is is permeated into modern you know postmodern art even you know through film and tv we've seen resurrection stories come and go so many times maybe it's just a thought of we're moving past that we're in our postmodern time you know god is dead nietzsche said that you know so it's like maybe there's just not a relevancy or a perceived relevancy to the general population but i think that that people are inherently spiritual and and are interested in finding out finding out whether there is more to life than this, whether, whether there is something more 
whether the spiritual world exists, whether you know, I think theory is metaphysical as well. You know, it's just a weird thing. So I, I don't know, Sean. I don't know <laughs> why there isn't more. Sure, you do. You just you just talked about it. You just said it, and I'm I'm so glad that that's something that that you guys analyze. I would assume that you do. That you talk about why is why is maybe there a um, uh, a big why why are we afraid to communicate with each other lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details uh i i know that i'm i'm not religious i'm i'm consider myself to be spiritual but i'm Sometimes I'm afraid myself to, to uh, like go to a church or, or uh, I mean, I, I have been there, but I, I have to realize I myself will take responsibility for myself and say that I need to be open-minded or more open-minded and accept other people for, for what they're doing and what, what fulfills them. We don't have to. Uh, change each other to hear each other or to listen to each other. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think that that's what I'm finding is, you know, I'm finding a lot of my own guilt and my own phobia uh, is being addressed um, by, by these shows and mm-hmm. that I'm, I can only take responsibility for myself. So that's just a, a that's sort of a epiphany I've had mm. <laughs> with this. And um do you, I mean, are you guys okay with that? Is with, with me telling you that, is that something where it's like, well, maybe you should push more towards us or, or what? Cause I will tell you my spirituality comes mostly from 12 step groups. I've been clean and sober for 33 years. And so Congrats. as you probably, thank you. Um, it's like, it's just like my normal day now, <laughs> but, yeah, but sure. as you, uh, but, but you're aware of, you know, uh, mm. God as we understand him and turning over and things like that. So, um, that's, that's where I, mm. that's my perspective yeah. of it. And so I, I, I okay, do you feel, do you feel sort of the push from people who are maybe afraid that, uh, you're going to try and influence something that they've already set in place for themselves. Do you, do you feel yeah, that? I know not. And I think that's a valid, that's a valid fear for people to have. And I think, I think as human beings, we should, and I, I stand, you know, I, I resonate with what you say about that fear of, you know, once you've established what you, you feel and you believe it's, it's actually, it's a hard thing to do to, to surround yourself with, with other opinions and other thoughts. And, um, you know, that's why the echo chamber of Facebook is, you know, the algorithm has worked the way it is to help people hear the same thing that they're hearing and from each facet, political facet and each subculture, you know, I think we have as a human, uh, as human beings moved, I don't know, moved further away from being able to, um, 
be part of that marketplace of ideas and, and it's a, and it's a shame and I'm part of it as well and I think I challenge myself to watch the piece of theatre that I don't want to <laughs> or I don't think I would like or I don't think would um I would necessarily agree with or uh and and sometimes I'm surprised or sometimes you know I but that's the problem with with uh, a medium which is inherently entertaining you know you want to be entertained and I think when you say you want to go to the theater how often do you say to yourself I really you know I really want to have my whole worldview challenged today as <laughs> no one wants to do that uh, um I certainly don't want to do that and I think um I think there's there's something in maybe the history and the tradition of of people's experiences of Christianity um where there is that uh f- the fear of being put in that place of trust because you know being an audience member being in that theatrical um uh setup you have to put your trust in the people that are putting on the show you know it's it's a place of exchange um but in the well where they, where you're passive as an audience member there isn't much of an exchange from you there's no right of reply in mm. that in that setting so apart from getting up and walking out there's no way of really responding and being interactive so I can totally understand that and I can see that in myself, that, uh, that feeling of, uh, yeah, I, I don't, tr- it may, it, I don't trust that, that I want to put my trust in this production or, or this person in the same way. I don't go and watch certain films and directors that I've not enjoyed this, you know, I've not, I've, I've really hated that film. I'm not going to go watch his next one or her next, you know, or something like that. So, um, yeah, we hear that. I hear that definitely. Yeah, and I, it's it would be such a shame if theatre becomes that that echo chamber, you know, where it's just you're all hearing or watching the kind of the same stuff. I think theatre is um, a medium for us to be challenged. Like John said, enter- we want to be entertained, but I do think if you just left somewhere and you're just like, ah, oh, it's entertaining. It's I don't know. It's that's kind of surface level. I want something a bit a bit deeper that makes me I come out and. I'm like, huh, I hadn't thought about that or thought about that from that, you know, view. And uh, I mean, for us, we do face these kind of barriers and challenges. I mean, for example, we have an arts council here and it is near impossible for us to get funding from them. Um, just, you know, we are a faith based company, um, which is really disappointing because I'm like, oh, we've got you know well i believe we've got good stuff you know to to put on but we're limited um whereas okay uh, for example obviously i'm uh pro-life but if a theater company wanted to um do a play about pro-choice um i would be absolutely fine with that i don't have a problem i think that's that's good that's great you know um but uh but to feel limited in that way is a is a bit of a shame um and i i think yeah theater should be um open to all and uh, i mean for example um uh, we're trying to i guess break those stereotypes though as well about religious theater um and our new show if prison walls could speak um is looking though at the themes not just of religion but of justice Okay, so it follows the true life story of a guy called uh, Peter Yasek, who works with 
the persecuted church in Africa. So um, Christians that are either um, beaten for their faith, for, for being Christian, churches that get destroyed um, and, you know, doing that kind of advocacy work. Um, and when he was out in uh, Saddam, uh, he ended up getting arrested. He found out that the secret police had been following him, had actually been following him when he was in uh, a conference, I think the year before in, in Eritrea, yeah. um, uh, which is, you know, crazy to think about. But yeah, and he, he was arrested. He gets put um, in awful conditions in, in Sudan. Um, he, he finds out that he's actually imprisoned with ISIS fighters um which is obviously a massive shock to him and his own uh fellow cellmates beat him uh and torture him obviously for him being a a, a christian but also the the play doesn't just focus on peter's story but the story of millions across the globe you know it's a scary stat that one in six christians across the globe face a form of persecution now, obviously, we might not see that as much in the West, but in places, China, India, many places in, in Africa, they're facing even death for, you know, having their faith. Um, and we want to use this piece of work to highlight that injustice. Um, but also we want to show a part of God, you know, in that, the expression of God, that we know God's a, a loving God who comes uh, beside us when we face suffering when we face these difficulties um but we feel you know this we design and wrote this play for everyone you know this isn't just we don't want to just be entertaining christians we say that all the time don't we john to each other i'm always like oh, yeah we don't just want to entertain christians you know that's not what we're about um and we want to make theaters for everyone but yeah we definitely face those um, those kind of those barriers, um, but um, but yeah, I think I think misconception is a big barrier as well. Of, of I mean, I believe that that in, in a big way, Christianity is misrepresented, whether by people, um, whether by uh, misunderstanding. And I th- and I know my experience of Christianity is is different to other people's, and I, I just want to reconcile that. I want to reconcile people with the the historical and 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 actual person of jesus and and what he had to say and to think you know what that's what that's the measuring stick i want you to to understand what i believe don't look at any figure that or any person that you've seen represent christianity before i don't want you to take their word for it i want you to go straight to the source have a have a have an understanding of what this um has a relevancy on, on my life and 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 could have a relevancy for yours but also, I want you to have an understanding of what it is. You know, I think understanding each other is 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 a big way of loving one another, and that is the staple Christianity. You know, love one another, love love even your enemy, love everyone um, as God loves you. So it's like, how do you love someone? You listen to them, you you understand them, and you create a space to to share. And I think that's what we try and do. I think that good theater, no matter what its theme or message and I didn't make this up, but I read it somewhere. It should accomplish the three E's. It should entertain, educate, and then edify the audience. If you're teaching them, if you're, if you're keeping them engaged and at the end they're uplifted, uh, I, I think that you've done your job. 
at least that's, that's what I always try to do. Um, uh, particularly when I'm writing a play. Um, okay. I have, first of all, I want to say, Chris, thank you for mentioning the name of the series that you're on right now. Theater is for everyone. I appreciate that. That's, that's so nice. Okay. <laughs> that's very, very cool. Thank you. Um, okay. I have a request. Uh, this is like a mini request and a mini question based off of that question before we move on. Um, a lot of people don't know what this is, uh, but can you, particularly in the States, but can you tell our listeners who don't know, because I didn't know what a pantomime is in England? Because <laughs> I think in, in America, we, we think, you know, a mime with the white face. Right. And, yeah. yeah. But it's not yeah, no. Oh, no. I, I would take a lot of pleasure in describing the pantomime. I'm a big fan of pantomime. I'm not a massive fan of pantomime. But John loves it. So. so pantomime has its sort of roots in the sort of commedia dell'arte sprung out of Italy, that physical comedy performance um, sort of ensemble work. But the pantomime in Britain is a very culturally significant thing. It's very low, um, low art. It's low art, 100%, and it knows it. It's kitschy, it's camp, it's fun. Um, there's, uh, so the pantomime dame is, is probably the most, uh, you know, iconic, um, part of the pantomime. And it's, it's a, it's a drag act and it's something which has been a very long established part of British culture for a long time. So it's often the same Cinderella or Puss in Boots or Dick Turpin, these sort of classic care folky tales told, uh, for school children and, and groups that come in, you sing along. There are s- set call out phrases. There are, um, there, yeah, the, these cliches, which are Can always thrown examples? in there. He's behind you. They, you got everyone trying, he's behind you. And I mean, I, I'm talking, <laughs> I sound like, like absolute massive fan. I am actually, I am. I'm going to own that. Uh, and yes, yeah, so there's, there's, there's a, there's a social contract. When you step into a pantomime, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be a, a, a good old, an old knees up, as you would say in the East End. It's a lot of fun. It's, um, silly, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure whether I, have, have I, have I, have, have I painted the picture well enough? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's for the whole family. Um, I definitely love the, what I did always love is the, yeah, the interaction with the audience, you know, it's very on the nose stuff, but, um, and the, you've got the classic villain heroes. Who, um, who boo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the music's great. The costumes are extremely flamboyant. Um, if anyone in the US has ever wants to come over to the UK, it's usually, they usually start around December until mid to late January is the best way to spend <laughs> a winter in, in England and they're everywhere. And a lot of your celebrities come over and do them. <laughs> it's full of B C D listers. <laughs> it's fantastic. No way. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, big time, big time. I mean, soap, soap actors, uh, pop stars. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've got it. You've got it all really. <laughs> You got to work and a check's a check, right? Oh, it, yeah. If you've ever seen the um, Ricky Gervais series Extras, there's a, oh, yeah. there's a pantomime features in that. So I think one of the episodes, he's in a pantomime and he's playing, I think, Buttons or someone in Cinderella. And uh, rewatch that and you'll see a general. <laughs> I, I watched one on um, one of the Broadway platforms and right. and I think it was Cinderella. And I was like, 
I don't know what's going on here. I mean, I know the the beats of Cinderella. I know they're different versions, but I was like, what is happening? I don't, I don't get it, but I was entertained. I thought it was funny. And once it's like one of those things where you sort of have to like give yourself a chance to get into the rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. And once you do, then, then it really clicks into your head. Yeah. Like Shakespeare or ballet yeah, or I'm opera still, or something like that. <laughs> you've got to know kabuki yeah we struggle yeah. with kabuki you've got to know what it is you know what it's about you know and, and once you once you get that you're like oh okay you know this is what this is <laughs> okay now here's my question yeah i ask this every time this word comes up dramaturg or dramaturge oh you know what i flip between um drama i say dramaturg i've always said dramaturg yeah dramaturge but you have dramaturgy so I'm yet to know. So whatever floats your boat. We, whatever we, we floats know what, your boat. We know what both of them mean, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone truly does know what it means, but it makes you sound like you know what you know what you mean. So it's good. <laughs> For those who don't know, a drama turg, turge, is usually a person who goes through the material and is like sort of, um, it's their job to sort of pick it apart for you. Mm-hmm. And challenge certain things, certain facts, and and that. So you know, it's and to marry each element of the piece to make to make it a one cohesive experience. And oh, then that's my that's my twisted way of looking at it. It's really fun when you're the writer. <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> yeah. I, I had a bad drama dramaturgs oh, turges sure. get in and really um, <laughs> send turges. me like eight pages of notes on a script. But it honestly, it does help. It it really helps a lot. Otherwise, you mm-hmm. know, you're you're as a writer, you're like looking at the big picture of the whole thing. And mm. so, you know, have somebody go in and, and say, this is wrong. This is me. This is working. Well, this is not. It's like an editor on a book. That's what we have all the time because that's mine and John's relationship pretty much. Because yeah. when it comes to writing, you know, we'll come together at the start of a project and we'll know, you know, we'll know roughly the, the story and, and, you know, what we want to say, what we want to tell, the feel of it. Um, and then obviously we'll, we'll, try as much as we can to, to break it down. And then, I, you know, I'll go off and, um, and start writing. Um, you know, I'll do two scenes or whatever, and then I'll bring it back to John. He reads through it, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, that Greek myth of, is it Atlas? You know, holds the weight of the, the world while a crow pecks at him. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yeah. Is it a crow? <laughs> it's, it's know. four pages of notes on a two page scene, right? <laughs> Yeah. Or a fist fight. Yeah, or a fist fight. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, we've learned a lot. Yeah, we've, we've grown in brotherly love. That's, yes. That is, that is, um, that That's is, for sure. that is for sure. It's, it totally shows. Um, <laughs> talk about theater and its place in religion in general. What are your feelings about that? Yeah, you know, I'm, I've been mulling this over. Um, and this is something we think about and talk about a lot, particularly as we, we are, you know, inherently a faith based company. I mean, if you look at the origins of theatre, you know, the, the Greek theatre was a religious uh, experience. It was a religious outpouring. And I think the religion and politics have so intertwined, not so much politics of, you know, the of our leadership, but in terms of how society is, uh, how society functions and how we relate to one another. I think that there is absolutely there is an integral part of religion, which is about communication. You know, the idea of the prophet is, is someone that, that has a, 
a beeline to God, has a word from God, has something spoken from an almighty God to people through themselves. And I mean, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm interested in performance art and, and, that, and, and that sort of end of performance. And uh, the Bible actually has some fascinating descriptions of performance art um, in the Jewish tradition. You know, Ezekiel is a, um, a figure who receives a, a warning from God for, for the city and, and, the, and to tell the city that it's about to be destroyed by an incoming army. He he uh, he builds a, a model set of the city and, and performs rites and rituals around it in this allegorical and uh, very physical and very uh, graphic. If you if you ever read the source text, it's, it's fascinating how we as human beings, I believe we as human beings have been created to communicate and have been given creativity as a gift to 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 tell stories to one another. I mean anthropologically speaking every culture in every part of the world tells stories and has told stories since since time began you know <laughs> to tell a story uh, but i think part of that story has always been you know where did we come from where are we going what what is out there um and i think that that theater has a a very strong place in that um and, and particularly People from from different religions. I'm not as versed in other religions, but in Christianity, the person of Jesus was a storyteller. He wrote, he spoke parables. He um, he communicated things of God through uh, story, through through that that medium, you know, entertainment, um, but also with a with a, a heart to share something powerful. So I think theater, theater and religion, faith are not mutually exclusive um they they can be and i don't and i think people can pretend that theater isn't political or spiritual or these things but but every everything has a as a voice everything is speaking to us um and you know even even postmodern thinking you go and watch something you may receive something for yourself which is um a religious thought or something so that's my that's my two cents um my two pence uh <laughs> no matter what, what do yeah. you think chris no I- I agree. You know, I think God loves theatre and he loves stories. You know, I think we always think of the, I don't know, bearded guy in the sky who's a bit, you know, or don't like this, you know, distant and stuff. But no, I think he he loves theatre and stories. And like John had said, with Jesus um, telling parables, telling stories in that way. And I think it's just very natural for us that, that they would mix and blend. I mean, our faith is the core and bedrock of, of who we are. And so of course we're going to bring that into our work and into our passions, great, yeah. you know, why would we separate them, you know? And, uh, and hopefully people can connect with that. And I think everyone does that in theater. Even if you don't have a you know faith, you're, you're bringing yourself into these stories into these characters and uh and our faith just spills out into our writing and into our work and and, uh, yeah and i think the way uh, faith works in in my mind is it's people sharing their own stories and testimonies and and people um having the experience and then and sharing that experience and if that's not you know i mean biographical biographical works that we we've worked on you know that is that is what we're just doing simply telling the story like chris mentioned peter yasek or of the world war one chaplain that i mentioned before we're just giving the the story which they passed on and they experienced with moments which the audience 
will have to ask themselves, do I believe that happened? If that happened supernaturally, did this thing happen? So part of Peter's story, he, he um, is being tortured. He's been about to be waterboarded. Um, uh, and he has a vision of Jesus or has a vision um, of, of, of him watching over him. And as he's been beaten, he, he, he doesn't feel the pain anymore. And this is something we've met. We've met Peter over zoom and, and heard him his story um, in the flesh. And I think we, we believe what he said and we, we, we've shared that, that message through, through the story that we've shared. And, you know, people can take, take it or leave it. You know, if that's the truth, it's the truth. If it's not, then it's not. And I think it's that sharing and listening, as we mentioned before, which is at the heart of uh, religious practice um, and human practice, you know, yeah. yeah. Depends what you define religious, really. Some people would define it as a, something in a box. Some, some people would just describe it as just human experience, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, what was I going to say? <laughs> Went out of my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, you know, we hear a lot um, that maybe that phrase of like, well, you know, we don't want you, I don't know, shoving your beliefs down our throat or Bible bash, you know, that kind of uh, language that's that's used. But we just want to show, yeah, maybe an, an expression of who we believe that that you know, God is, you know, through that play, you know, prison walls that, you know, we believe God's a loving God, a caring God, and that it's up to the audience to, you know, if they want to be like, okay, I've not thought about that at all. And, and, uh, and to kind of, yeah, break down some of those, those barriers in that way, but we just want to show that we don't want to, you know, like I said, we don't want to thrust this down people's throats, but, you know, we're just trying to, yeah, show that expression of who we think, um, you know, God is and how he might have impacted our lives. And that, like I said, spills into our writing, into our plays. And it's up to the, completely up to the audience to how they want to you know, interpret that and internalize it. So, um, yeah, I think it marries, it can marry very well. That's, that's great. I love the the core philosophies that you're, you're talking about there. Um, and I'm glad that you talked about, uh, the, the theatrical element of it. Um, because I think when a lot of people think art and religion, they think paintings and, and, and statues and, um, you know, various relics and things like that. And, um, so it's, it's nice. I, there's something about theater that's a little more, um, like, uh, temporary in the mind immediate yeah immediate yeah and you you go and then all you're left with when you leave is just what's what's there and um also it's some people just don't like going to the theater they just it's not their thing uh so i i appreciate you both touching on that so well um did did you have to do any internal changing or reconciliation of your opinions or taste in theater as you decided to as you developed a, a, a Christianity focused company, were there, did you struggle with, with any of that and have to figure that out? I've, I mean, I've always really struggled with the term Christian theater company and something that we, we, we do actually still, still to this day talk a lot about simply because I think it carries a lot of negative connotations, um, right or wrong. Uh, and, and, but I, I own it. I mean, I, I still choose to own it and, um, 
I think one of the biggest changes for me is uh, is understanding storytelling in its place, as I mentioned before, a, a sort of anthropological roots, but it's storytelling is actually something so innate in us as human beings. And I, I think I'd, because of my taste in theatre, I've always thought, no, I don't need to tell stories. I don't need to, don't, don't want to be too, um, too traditional. We don't need to do this. We can just create uh, this sort of performance piece. But I think as, as I've tried to lean into what, what we've been speaking about, I think the sharing of stories has been something that I've, I've, I've been having more of a, um, uh, I lit, I've lent towards more and had to, 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 to grow in um, that. How to tell stories well is, is definitely something that's come out in me. Um, uh, that's that's one of my number one answers on this show. I've been, I think you, you guys are my 106th episode and uh, so many people, when they talk about their baseline feelings of theater say, we like to, I like to tell stories. I tell stories. I may hear that phrase on and on and on. So that's, mm. that's not something that is exclusive to you. That's, that's what a lot of people, um, that's, a, that's, I guess, a standard, uh, a philosophy that they have. Um, mm. So that's, that's absolutely like mm. right on as far as, well, like yeah. probably about 80% of my guests. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what would what would you rather I say other than a uh, Christian based theater company? What's what's the the phrase that you prefer? That I mean, I mean, you can you can say it. No, that's great because that's it's true. Um, I think it's just that we we ourselves have had that conversation of like, do we say that's what we are? Like, are we a Christian theater company? What does or that we mean? Because Christian an organization that, cannot have a religious belief or you know it's that idea yeah or are we simply do, yeah. christians that do theater um but i think it's you know we want to yeah we want to own that we're not ashamed of that mm. but that because that is our that's our core of of who we are and as i previously mentioned it feeds into all all of our work and, and what we do um and you can have that the same with other theatre companies, it might they might not be religious, but they all have the same underpinning identity or ideas. And in the same, you know, it's, it's kind of in the same vein as that. Mm. I think. Um, I mean, we've had to. We're somewhat limited um, with kind of how we can approach churches, or I, I think. So we primarily tour to churches and sort of Christian organizations or, or, or communities. Um, and that's just how we've generally been able to gather an audience. Um, and, and, and as Chris is saying, yeah, it's, it's, I think for the established uh, church, they, they're not looking for something too experimental. I think we've had to dial back a bit or to slowly like we said before, wanted to change the perception of Christian theatre, but actually that perception exists because maybe people like that sort of thing. Um, things that are feel more uh, easily digested, more sketch-based, more um, uh, familiar uh, in the stories that are told. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I think we, like Chris said, before we want to push the boat out in, in what Christian theatre can can be, but the audience that's already there for that, I think needs some gentle, uh, uh, we need to take them on the journey into where we want to go with it. I think we, we integrate in more and more multimedia and how we use multimedia and we're aiming to tour a uh, passion play, which is told through headphones with live performance, um, which is the first we know of, of a sort of Christian company, um, using that sort of technology, um, which has been around for, you know, for the last decade, been used a lot in, in sort of, uh, off fringe theatre. Um, but I think that we came in a very bullish in that sense of we're going to change it all. We're going to, we're going to have this. And at the end of the day, you need, you need an audience. Yeah. <laughs> we're growing an audience. Um, and, uh, the model in which we've been, been growing in is, is one of, uh, you know, we're, we're taking it and, and to people who who host it and then invite their local communities to watch, and they're they're only investing in things which they can trust. And I think we're just we're, we're trying to gain that trust until we can say, look, yeah. go with us on this one. Everyone's got to wear a mask. <laughs> we're going to yeah. be falling in from the ceiling. You know, there's going to be a, a, a oil wrestling pit. <laughs> no, no, no. no, I mean this is that's not exactly my. Um, my my plans but you know there's when people hear that they go oh no way but if they trust who's doing it then they're like okay maybe i'll give it a try yeah um <laughs> don't quote me on that <laughs> but if anyone else steals that idea i will be in touch no one wants to see me in a big like baby pool filled with oil <laughs> yeah. for all we know you're in one now because no. we see your your upper half so <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm no it's jeans down there <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, how has the Artless Theatre Company dealt with COVID? Good question. Um, Thank you. When lockdown in the UK started, because of our, the way we're set up and we're a charity and uh, what we call a charitably incorporated organization, um, we were able to go on furlough. So I don't know if, I don't know if, if furlough made it over, um, it was a similar thing abroad, but um we government bail out bailed us out for a few months yeah. um, where there was just nothing coming in. Um, but as I mentioned, as a charity, we, we, we do have a, a base of people that, that donate to us, which is really uh, such generous people that, that really buy into what we've spoken about today and, and now, and our vision of how we want to share um, this story. And I think uh, that's been a way of, of us surviving through this time because the bookings can come in and then a wave happens, bookings go out <laughs> and we're, we're, um, we, we, we have, you know, sort of, sort of an honor system in how we, we approach our hosts and people that, that host us. We, we don't enter into a strict contract and, and we, we have that grace to say, you know, if you can't put it on, then we won't, we won't charge you anything. And, you know, that's, it's, it's a hard line to toe but i mean like we said before we 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 live by faith and it's that thought of if we think god's asking us to 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 do this and is equipping the work to happen you know he will continue to help us to do it <laughs> and we, um but covid has has been difficult we've tried some online stuff but like you mentioned live theater is something about it that is yeah it's, you can't we've, mimic it 
through film you can't mimic it even through live streams we did a performance over zoom which which uh was fun uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> but, it's not know. quite the same it's been yeah as john said it's been difficult i mean you know for us a lot of prayer you know just praying just what like you know what does god want us to do that's a big part of everything that we we do and um and you know he knew about covid in the future and so you know we put our trust in in him but also we want to try and um you know kind of go uh, adapt to be adaptable um so for example our easter play what was funny is well i can i can laugh at it now but unfortunately we had a big tour uh, of our easter production called centurion kind of all booked in for 2020 for 2020 yeah um ready to go and it was a week before we were starting the tour that the lockdown, we went into a full lockdown. It all had to be obviously cancelled. Um, the good thing is we're touring it this April. Um, but, uh, but it led to us actually, um, for the next, was it next Easter? No, it was that. Mm, no, 2021. Yeah. yeah. 2021. We, uh, launched it as a, well, we adapted it into a radio play. Um, which is, which is broadcast, which is again amazing, but because it, it challenged us with new different, another medium. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Another medium, different skills that we had to, you know, learn and, um, stretch ourselves in that way. Um, so it's been interesting, difficult, but I'm hoping that we, the, you know, David Mamet course, we wouldn't have done that if it went for COVID and that was very influential. Yeah. That was, yeah. The time of retreat, but of development and mm. uh, it's it been a nice breath in and out yeah to then take stock and, uh, and hopefully we're now over the hump you never know it's like no. <laughs> what around you know what's around the corner um but uh things are looking up at the moment so uh, yeah that's kind of how we've dealt with covid mm. i'm glad that you talked about uh the learning aspect of it because um i, I did uh, my series before this was called act two places and it happened probably well i i wanted to do the, to do the series just as covid hit and uh so i put out in a facebook post saying hey if anybody would like to talk to me about this i would really like to to have you on the show for this particular series when i did that at the beginning of covid i got nothing it was cr- like mm. crickets and a lot of people will respond to that kind of an invitation on my yeah. show. And, um, and I was like, what, what's, why, what happened? I, why, how, how nobody, nobody wants to do a, an episode with me. And my husband, David's like, um, everybody's head is just spinning right now <laughs> and you need to back off a little bit and let people get through it. And then it, that was true. And then a lot of people came on the show, um, and, and did that. But one of the things that I loved about that series is, a lot of the stuff that people learned by either doing Zoom or doing outside productions that were um, um, social social distanced, mm. uh, camera work, things like a lot of that True. is something that I think theater snobs would have like looked down their nose at beforehand. But they're saying, "I learned this, and now I want to incorporate it into live theater mm-hmm. when we return." So I think that a lot of, it, it opened a lot of people's minds to to new concepts. I mean, we have a a, a married couple who did a play through letters, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm going to, I've interviewed a guy who does, does like a, a phone call play with individual people. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that we had that time to really sort of take a break and, and, and educate ourselves. Mm. And I, I, I just wanted to say that because it's, that is like so right on the money. And you know what? That's good leadership from you guys. That's using your time wisely and productively. And, and it's excellent leadership. And that's yeah. what a lot of people really had to step up and, and become if they weren't before. Um, so, I mean, so, I've always admired the, the quote uh, that I came across at university. I think it's Hans Trey's layman saying that theater is either a museum or a laboratory. And I think this modern day, modern life has to influence how the stage uh, works. And I think multimedia is an inevitability if we want to engage with you know 21st century audience whose lives are saturated by multimedia i mean that that's that's something i've been really influenced by practitioners who use that and i think it's something that really can bolster the live experience rather than hamper it i think cinema is you know was, has always been the enemy of theater but i think uh, recorded images and sound i think they can only be used to absolutely amplify that the 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 risk like you were saying before the ephemera the visceral nature of what it is the theater is and what why it's so um engaging i think yeah placing it in juxtaposition to those things yeah can really make you think oh this is happening live this is this is just for me right now or just for us right now um so i can totally i i love i love the experimentation that comes from times of uh uh difficulty you know and it's I, I love those things i'd love to find out more about those uh interesting forms of performance that you're you're mentioning <laughs> well the 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 series is yeah, yeah is available and there's there were so many different types of things that people did and i think that a lot of people did that to show that theater was not going to die and we were going to keep it up and we weren't going to let it die and uh, that we were going to uh, utilize something that kept us in practice. Uh, that's what, what I, in my opinion, you know, doing all the, imagine if zoom wasn't around hmm. through all yeah, of this. Yeah. And uh, I know it's, it's really, really difficult to do zoom shows. Um, sorry, zoom, if you're listening, which you probably are, cause we're on zoom right now. <laughs> but, but um, I think that, I've, I've participated in readings. Um, my husband David is an actor. He's probably done 30 readings over the last two years on Zoom, but it's, it's kept us in practice. It's kept us going mm-hmm. as artists. And yeah. for that, I am, I'm super grateful. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of my artistic stuff is through scripts and things like that. But I took the time to submit scripts to competitions and, and, uh, um, um, like festivals and stuff. And I'm really glad that I did that. That worked mm. out very well. But yeah. um, again, we, we told everybody through our actions that theater is not going to mm-hmm. die out just because of this, that we will persevere and we'll overcome it. And I think that's the statement we were making with all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it gave us great opportunity. Like we said, with the, um, the, the radio play, it wasn't something, we had done particularly before um but also we were really looking at the the script of centurion and i love 
again, it goes back to writing. But I love looking back and being like, where I thought, oh, this script is kind of finished. I mean, never say that because I was like, um, oh, we need we should change that or we could maybe adapt that actually a bit more. We used to hate um, redrafting, but now it's just a joy. Yeah, <laughs> I love looking back at, <laughs> and now thinking, gosh, what, like, what, how far we've come and that kind of it was great what was i thinking last week (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so yeah it's uh it definitely taught us a lot and uh, gave us just different opportunities you know uh, plus because of covid they released the hamilton uh, video before it was going to be made into a film so you know we were able to sit at home and re-watch hamilton again and again and again (laughs) which is definitely what uh i did (laughs) I probably watched it three or four times in in the first few months of lockdown. Had either I've seen of you it a couple of times, or both of you seen the the physical production of it? Yeah, I've seen yeah. it a couple of times, but only in the like the real high, high, far away seats. So yeah, to see it up close <laughs> and personal. Oh yeah, yeah I um I think this came up um in Reverend uh, uh, Reverend uh, Albert's episode, but mm. I have I David and I saw the like when it first was in previews in New York. Oh, wow. And I have to say, it kind of left me cold. It really did. Um, Rap music is not my favorite kind of music. Uh, I didn't understand a good deal of what they were singing. Uh, Most people, like, they prep themselves for this show. They listen Mm -hmm. to the the show over and over again. Uh, But I probably have now seen it about six times just to understand it and to figure it out and to see what the big wow yeah. element is of it fortunately i do a lot of my work in chicago my um musical collaborators in chicago and they had a sit-down production there for about three years so i got to see it there mostly because right. it didn't cost you know um a, a down payment on a car's worth of yeah. for this it's so expensive it's still expensive so, yeah over here i mean the london show i mean it's, even it's, for those tickets up in the gods it was it was extortionate <laughs> yeah it, yeah, yeah it's, it's true. As you think about um, the cost of things, because uh, there's a theatre company here called Punch Drunk doing a new um, production, I think, called Burnt Cities. And we would generally be like, let's go. Um, and I was like, oh, let's check tickets. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so Early expensive. but advanced tickets are like about 100 quid. And it's like, the, the I, mean, punch, I mean, you may have come... Punch Drunk have Mask of the Red Death in New York, and yeah. I'd love to go see it over there because I've not been there. But you know, they, they do have multi-million pound sets. But at the same time, like you could probably subsidise the ticket fee. I mean, when we're, to- when we're talking about theatre for everyone, I think that that is the one of the biggest barriers currently is the cost. It's like, how are you going to get new people who might be sceptical about theatre, but and be like, you've got to pay though a hundred pounds for this ticket? You know, that's just yeah, mm-hmm. it's a real shame. Yeah, wrong, but... really. Do you know who agrees with you? <laughs> Patty Lupone. She does. Um, okay. I, I I heard it like from her mouth to my ears. Um, David and I went and saw a Company, which she was in, and she's in 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 on Broadway right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that. It was a gender flip version of the show Company, no. starring a, a lady named Rosalie Craig. And uh, Company is about typically. This is a new version of it, like a, a, a man who's everybody's trying to get him married. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written by Sondheim and they kind of tweaked it and used a female actor in it. And it was brilliant. Usually that's a slog of a show for me, but I 
it went by like that. Anyways, we did a Q&A afterwards with Rosalie Craig and Patty Lapone and the director, uh, Marianne Elliott, who I love. She's so great that you guys have her there. And um, she brought that up many times uh, when questions were being asked of her. She's like, it's, you guys, she's like, you guys are lucky here in, uh, in London because your, because your theater is relatively cheap, cheap in comparison to Broadway. She's like, Broadway is just so prohibitive. She said that like three times then. And then she did something that we've been saying ever since was some guy asked her a question of like, how do you get that same performance every single night or every time you go on stage? She leaned down and she goes, terraining. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Did we just get read by Patty LuPone? <laughs> yeah. I'm not I trying like to that. film you or anything. No, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's do a speed round here. Yes. Okay. What is your favorite play? Chris? Uh, I love The Trial by Franz Kafka. Is this a speed one? <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, I, it's hard to say because I don't know whether things fall into the traditional plays. Uh, the, the piece I've loved the most I've seen over the last few years is a piece called The Wedding by Gecko Theatre Company based in, in the UK. It's very good. Um, but yeah, that's a, they're a physical company and uh, and I don't know whether they even have a, a written text <laughs> which they go with. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. Favourite musical? I mean, I'll go Hamilton. I'm not a massive not a fan guy. of uh, musicals. I've seen my fair few. Um, one that really sticks out to me is uh, I did really enjoy Blood Brothers. It's very good. I, you know, every time I go to London, I'm, I always threaten to see that. And for some reason, I never do. But, you know, you go there. I, we go there a lot. Well, not for the last two years. But you go there and you're on vacation. You sort of. You have to pick and choose because of the mm, time. But I, yeah. next time I go, I'm seeing Br- Blood Brothers for sure. Yeah, it's, like it a, is amazing. It's really good. Okay. Um, favorite one-person show? <laughs> Again, <laughs> the, the list of things I've got to see are so obscure and unusual in terms of one-person shows. Uh, ones that I've not seen um, – I've always admired uh, the now deceased uh, performance artist, Adrian Howells. He did a show called Foot Washing for the Soul. And that was a one-to-one performance, um, which I'd studied a bit at uni. And I, yeah, I would have loved to have taken part in that. Um, so we washed the feet of his audience members. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to cheat and say um, our own play okay <laughs> if Bristol Walls could speak that, yeah, yeah, excuse me your head I think it's your head right now <laughs> no, no, I apologize uh, for that pride nothing, nothing's nothing's free into my mind right now so that's the only thing I can think of you know we so, should go uh, and watch more there yeah as absolutely. as someone who has written his well co-written his own one person show that's been produced quite a bit I totally agree <laughs> good <laughs> I would say mine too <laughs> Good. Actually, no. I would probably say the search for signs of intelligent life in the universe because I think that's a great play. And I'm gonna. Sorry, here's a name in my hand. I'm gonna drop it on the ground. Is performed by my cousin Lily Tomlin. My cousin is Lily Tomlin. Oh, you know who Lily Tomlin is? (laughs) I, uh, out politeness, I said yes. You (laughs) did. So no. 
<laughs> she's in a, a show called Grace and Frankie uh, with Jane Fonda. If you if you watch that, mm-hmm. and she's in the movie Nine to Five. Have you seen the movie okay. Nine to Five? She plays no. okay. She plays Violet. She's she's a legend in the states. Um, and honestly, if she walked into a room, she wouldn't know who I was. I've met her a couple of times, but like Sean, drop that name again. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping. Oh, my days. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> right. Oh, Lily Toblin. Wow. <laughs> You're not the first person that I've had to say. I'm sorry. This. No, that's I okay. wish I did know. I, no, it's that- me. I'm the, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. I don't no, know. no, no! You're, you're, you're not. And hopefully, when we finish and I get up to, to, to go, I'm not going to trip all over it. But <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't drop it that often. But David does for sure. Uh, we, we, we drop the queen thing all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh my! Yeah. God. I saw it on your on your website. Tell me about that. Tell me about <laughs> performing for Her Majesty, Her Royal Majesty Queen Elizabeth. The second who were obsessed with in the state. I, I can't believe that it wasn't me that dropped that name. <laughs> I know, I know. The most nerve-wracking experience, probably. I mean, I think I was so nervous that it kind of balanced it out in, a, in the weirdest kind of way. Um, because when we stepped out... It was an out-of-body experience. Um, it was. Yeah. It was when weird. we stepped out, we she was literally on the stage, which was really not... that. Um, Technical uh, term, the chancel of the, the church. The chancel of the church, the yeah, chancel. I shouldn't say stage, <laughs> but the chancel. Um, but yeah, so we were literally oh, less than five meters. Yeah, a few feet you know. Um, so, and it was being filmed, so it went on, um, yeah, national TV, so it was on BBC One. And you know oh. what, she, she, I, I, I had the honor to, of meeting her beforehand, and even though the performance was only short, she, she gave, she's just an incredible, um, presence to be around because she gives you her whole self when you're there you know she 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 when she met me she she um seemed interested in me and she seemed interested in what we did who knows what she was thinking um i'm a bit i you know i i love the queen i love the queen and i'll um, give you a a little easter egg um i don't know if you can still i think it, it, might, be might, it might be on youtube somewhere but um we talk about it on our podcast yeah but if if you look closely i there's a part where we have these world war one helmets and we put them on and i was kind of ducking down as we're putting them on um to stay low so people couldn't see us put it on and because i was trying to say so low i actually donked my head with the helmet now i don't think anyone noticed you know in the in the audience but if you rewatch it you'll hear the you can actually hear the little (laughs) (laughs) as it hits my head but nothing but everything went smoothly uh thank you know thank god um but yeah what it was just what an honor what an honor to do that yeah Um, so you were putting on uh, a costume piece a helmet Mm -hmm. and you kind of tapped her on the head with it no no no. his head no No, my head he would have been shot he would have been like you would have been taken out if that happened (laughs) yeah it was on my it was as i was putting it on my head it you can i I donked my own (laughs) head oh uh, when you were putting i mean if if it was the Queen, uh, yeah, I would have been, you know, I'd you be in the Tower not, of London I, I, now. Yeah, I, you, would, you, would, you would cease to exist. There would be no record. I, of- <laughs> I would have dropped down to, I would have just started crying immediately yeah. in hopes yep. that she would take pity on me and drop down and <laughs> just like laid on the floor. But, um, yeah. you know, from everything that I see about her, I, she, I feel like she is 
she would be like a real person. I mean, you go through life like that and you're different from a regular person, but she would be like a, a real person who understands that there are mistakes and flaws through mm-hmm. throughout a day. And um, that's just when I, you know, whenever I see her, I remember there was a special on where she was, somebody was opening the crown jewels or bringing them to her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, yeah. she said, and they're like, okay, here's the crown from the coronation. And she said, I haven't touched this since the coronation. And I thought, I like that. That <laughs> says a lot. That says a lot. You know, maybe yeah. I, if it were mine, I'd wear it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously as well. <laughs> I think we wouldn't last very long in our neighborhood. We would be robbed very quickly. Right? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. When you see that, you know, she loves, um, I guess, her subjects, her people. In that, like, you know, she... How old is she now? 90 She's the same age as my granddad. She's 96. She's 96 and she's still trying to get out there. Um, The only thing that's really stopped her from being able to go out is obviously COVID. Um, But she's been doing some stuff after COVID, you know, and she's 96, you know, so that shows a real dedication and and service to the country. It's just amazing. She's a public servant. She's done very well. Yeah. Yeah. And I will be very sad when she's no longer with us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, so will I. I really, really yeah. will. Uh, somebody did a show about like uh, everything that's already in place for that, and I thought, mm. you know, I know I'm watching it, but don't be macabre. Don't be like this about you know when the yeah. queen we dies. If we don't speak about it. It won't happen. Okay, we'll <laughs> so, we're done. We're done. Done with that. Uh, before we go, please give our audience your social media information so they can keep up with you both and your many endeavors. Of course, yeah. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we don't really tweet much, but we're Artless UK at Artless UK, A-R-T-L-E-S-S-U-K. And we have a, a podcast called More Than The Art, um, available everywhere you get your podcasts. And we are... Not as good as your podcast. Oh, stop, a long stop, 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 no, definitely stop. I mean, you have fantastic guests on. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I have great taste in guests. And if you are in the UK... Um, do check up on our website because our tour dates, you know, they go up on there. So if you want to kind of catch one of our shows, we'll be touring, um, particularly this Easter, uh, in April, um, and throughout the year. So, um, yeah, if you're listening and you're in the, the UK, do, do try and make one of our performances. Yeah. So they can catch all of that by going to your website and it will connect them to all of those. Totally. Various yeah. uh, social media apps and and uh, yeah, it's and, and, and your podcast. Uh, yeah, that's great. That's awesome, you guys. This has been so cool. Oh, I am, I am, I'm so glad we had the chance to do this. I am so glad that I'm, I'm, I woke up and started doing this at seven o'clock in the morning, um, and it was totally worth it. And oh, it that's was, so nice. Thank you. Oh yeah, it was. I mean. This is this has really been amazing. I appreciate your your you opening up your minds and your hearts to me and and telling us about your perspective and uh it's and, and your thoughts on uh some of the philosophies there are all the philosophies that we've talked about um and telling us what a pantomime is and whether it's dramaturg or dramaturge. You guys were amazing. I can't thank you, thank you enough. And I wish you many, many broken legs and so much continued success 
with the Artless Theatre Company. Chris and John, thank you very much for being on your program. Is your thank ticket. you so much, Sean. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Sean. Really appreciate it. Well, folks, the 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, a big thanks to directors John Moltz and Chris Poach of the Artless Theatre Company. Excellent conversation. You can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with the place on their incredible theater podcast platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where theater stories of all kinds can be easily found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them on my landing page at bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Again, that's bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Your Program Is Your Ticket is also on Facebook at facebook.com, Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at at Program Ticket, Instagram at Your Program Is Your Ticket, YouTube at Your Program Is Your Ticket, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and the UK-based theater platform Thespi. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer. Watch their content, give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate, donate, donate. Fastest way you can help them. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember, theater is for everyone. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.